Hello, first time facilitators. I'm jumping on this feed just to share an episode I recorded for the Work and Live Large podcast. And I'm sharing it with you today because I think it might relate to you if you are in type of facilitation type of role, but also work internally, maybe in a talent development role where you're in charge of launching mentoring programs. And maybe they had a lot of momentum, but that's faded. So this is like just a quick 10 minute idea that I've been sharing with clients, advising clients on more recently. Uh, and then I thought I'd jump on the podcast to share that. I hope you're doing really well. I still love people listening to the show, just finding it for the first time and binging on like the last 200 plus episodes. Please stay connected if you are listening and let me know what resonates with you. I'm always available on LinkedIn and email hello at leannehughes.com. And I just ran the private podcasting series last Friday. It was unreal, massive energy. Just the best thing about that was us exploring the incredible potential for private podcasts within organizations and also as a consultant from a private revenue stream as well. I've got one more Learn with Leanne session masterclass coming up in August. It's all about how to create a group coaching program. I'll put the link in the show notes for this one. And Booked Out Facilitate is kicking off at the end of August as well, if you're interested. All right, let's dive in to this 10-minute episode. Hey, I just wrote an article on LinkedIn. I thought I would share it in this episode because I know many of you work internally. You might be trying to drive a mentoring program and you're finding that perhaps it needs a bit of a resurgence, a bit of revival. Well, I'm here to provide another idea something that isn't traditional, but I think could actually work. And I've advised many clients around the world on bringing this in and how to do that. So I thought I'd just share a snippet of this idea because it might help you wherever you are. If you're a consultant, if you work internally, I hope you'll find this helpful. The The topic is if your in-house mentoring program is failing, maybe you should try this instead. So you've launched a mentoring program in your business. Congratulations. Though in the first few months of check-ins, you discover that your pairings are meeting together, mentors and mentees are catching up. Then after about 90 days, after about three months, you definitely notice that the enthusiasm for this mentoring program has waned a little. Meetings are becoming less frequent. Business priorities, like life priorities, just seem to take over. If you're in a situation, you don't need to be alarmed. It's what I prescribe as mentor fade. I think it's completely normal. And look, having created and rolled out mentoring programs for organizations in the past, and I've played both roles, both mentor and mentee, I think there's four reasons why mentoring programs tend to fail. Number one is that there aren't enough mentors in the business, right? So you've got all these like uh, really experienced senior people. And then you think about the way that an organization is run. It's like you have this hierarchy, this pyramid. So there's more people wanting mentors, more high potential people, more people that really want to build and grow their skills in the business and connect with others. Yet you're limited because of the hierarchy and just there just aren't enough people to provide that support. Number two is time. Mentors in your business are busy, right? They're high performing, they're in demand. And for that reason, it's really hard to get that time, that consistency in meetings. And I know many mentors aim to prioritize it, but things happen within businesses and they just have to react. And sometimes the mentor relationship tends to take that subordinate position as a priority. Number three is that mentees tend to get what they want in the first three months anyway. So most mentoring programs have a set period of time. It might be a six or 12 month period where you're meeting regularly with your mentor. However, I discovered as a mentee that after the first few months, I'd kind of just like, I, I didn't need any more information or contacts. 
or I didn't have any more new questions to ask. I just needed to start executing. And I found myself just trying to create new questions for these sessions. And obviously, like, like I was wasting their time. So I didn't really need to have a formal six month plus longer period of a, of a partnership because I gleaned a lot from what they spoke about um, in those initial meetings. We'd, we created a great relationship. I didn't really need more structure to that. Number four is that there's a bit of a power imbalance and status kind of plays in. Obviously, if you're working internally and you're partnered with someone that's a bit more senior to you, you want to impress them. So you may not tell them your biggest vulnerabilities and what you're really worried about, like what the true challenge is for you, because you're always concerned about saving face and looking good. I felt an immense amount of pressure to come along to these meetings prepared with smart questions, which may not have addressed the real questions of what I was actually after. I was listening to Jenny Blake's Pivot podcast a few years ago when I heard her use the phrase, is Frentering. For the uninitiated, Frentering is a mutual mentoring relationship among peers. Now, early in my career, I had two friend tours who helped me tremendously. Shout out to Jason Latimer and Camilla Roberts. We navigated ourselves through a quarter life crisis through our monthly catch ups across Brisbane. Now, I thought if this worked so well outside of work, why can't it work well within the workplace? Here's the distinction between friendtering and mentoring. We go to our work friends when we need to celebrate and commiserate about our personal and professional lives. In the absence of that outlet, work, as we know, can seem lonely and isolating. It lacks attachments. Frentering provides an opportunity for connections to be made within your business, no matter someone's role or location, which makes it the ideal initiative, particularly if you have remote workers. While mentoring provides a great platform for specific expertise and career growth. So in a mentoring relationship, you'll ask questions like, hey, how did you become a principal engineer? And which associations should I join? And can you connect me with so-and-so? The focus on a frontal relationship is mutual support, accountability, and to build your connections. So you want your frontal checking in at the end of the month saying, hey, did you manage to reach out to Bob? Or who can I talk to in the business to get this done? Or, hey, Jane, here's a really great podcast episode that you should listen to. There are many advantages of frontering, and I think like it's dual purpose. So for if you're an employee, here are some of the advantages. Uh, one, it's mutually beneficial. So peers meeting together and talking both get value from each other as opposed to one where the mentor is like the one providing all the expertise. Both parties are learning and also coaching and teaching as well. It's mutual. There is no weight on one person to be the expert and answer all of the questions. It's inclusive. Everyone in your business can participate. There are far more possible peer-to-peer relationships and organizations than mentor, which is like junior to senior relationships. So it just opens it up. Everyone can learn really. For your business, there's also a lot of advantages. Did you know that having a best friend at work can lead to better performance? Gallup does include this item in their employee engagement survey. The question is, do I have a best friend at work? I have a best friend at work who strongly agree or strongly disagree. And they do this because it links to business outcomes. Their employee engagement database shows that only two out of 10 US employees strongly agree that they have a best friend at work. And Gallup says by moving that ratio To six in 10, organizations could realize 36% fewer safety incidents, 7% more engaged customers, and 12% higher profit. I thought about that and I was thinking, oh, why is that? Like, why is that the case? Why does having that peer support, having a best friend create those results? Here's why I think that occurs. I think it's because when you start seeking out more peer-to-peer relationships in your business, there is an increase in the amount of collaboration across regions and functions, uh, more empathy between different departments. 
Employees also attribute their connections and relationships to being part of your organization. So that inspires company loyalty. Like, I don't want to leave. I've got all these wonderful friends here. And that actually keeps me in my job. It keeps that attachment going. There's also rapid personal and professional growth for the individuals involved when you have a strong peer-to-peer friendtering relationship. Now, I don't think friendtering and mentoring need to be mutually exclusive. I think they can absolutely coexist and complement one another. And you can roll out these programs out formally or more organically by providing resources on how any employee can start their own friend tour network. I don't think this initiative needs to be HR-led or formalized, but when I work with clients, I do recommend specific guidelines, such as setting up rental rituals or just ideas on how to actually launch it and when you should launch a rental program. It's really effective as part of and at the back end of some type of intervention or project. Here are three tips to get started if you're thinking about friendtering. I think one is just try it for yourself and see how it goes at that N equals one level. So I suggest you reach out to a peer I suggest you reach out to a peer and instead of saying, I want to pick your brain, say, hey, let's catch up for a 30-30. Hats off to Jenny Blake. It's her, this is her concept of the 30-30 meeting where you catch up with someone for a coffee for the first 30 minutes, they pick your brain and for the second 30 minutes, you pick theirs. You switch roles and you each help each other tackle a topic. Number two is to ramp it up for your remote employees. So these relationships, for them, it's even more critical to have a friendtering type of relationship, particularly when they're not getting regular FaceTime. And number three is to incorporate a synchronous technology. You don't need to be live for these calls. I've got so many friend tours around the world, and we just talk to each other on WhatsApp or signal groups using voice notes or video to do that. So it's not impacting my time. I can catch up and respond to the conversation when I'm ready. I hope you enjoy this idea. It's just one new, different way of navigating old, traditional, archaic mentoring programs where we rely on experts to help us out for everything. I think there is a ton of value in having peer-to-peer friendal relationships, particularly as we're navigating so much uncertainty. No one actually knows what's happening. So support is critical. Being able to talk frankly about things is critical. And having a a peer-to-peer relationship, a friendal within your business will also enhance your attachment to the business as well. Enjoy this one. Reach out if you have any questions about friendtering uh, and if you need support in incorporating it into your business. Chat to you next time.